Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Luke's Massive Storytelling Podcast Thing 2021. Baby, oh yeah. Welcome to Luke's Massive Storytelling Podcast Thing. My name is Luke and this is my thing. You are the massive. I'm very glad you're here. I've been having a doozy of a week trying to get back into writing this novel. I took some time off to polish off the game and get that out, uh, do some other bits and pieces. Um, But yeah, I'm back on this novel. It's my... Finishing this novel is really my last big project for the year. And currently, it has been feeling insurmountable. I've I've written and rewritten the first 20,000 words four times. So I've kind of written, and I'm talking about from page, from word one, page one, rewrite. So essentially written 80,000 words, but I've only got more like 30, I've only got 20,000 words to show for it and I've written an extra 10,000 words so currently I have 30,000 words that I'm pretty happy with. Gone over it again and again and again and then every time I went back to write uh, the next 30, 40,000 words I kept getting stuck and and I think I know I think I know what the issue was because I'd rewritten those first 20,000 words so many times um, I've become quite precious of those words. Uh, they're quite polished now. They f- they feel to me to be somewhat done, which means as I'm starting to write these rough words, the words that come next, I'm comparing them to the words I've to the quite polished words I've already written. If that makes sense, and it's never going to match up. So every time I start, I feel like I'm making, I feel like I'm destroying the work I've already done. And it's paralyzing, you know, to try and make every new line as good as the edited and re-edited lines that came before it. So as a way to combat this, I'm using something called skinny drafting. I don't know if you've heard of skinny drafting. I'm not even sure it's really a thing. Uh, But I've, I've heard Daniel Wilcox mention it on a podcast at some point. And I thought I would give it a go and see what it's all about. Basically, skinny drafting is kind of like less than a rough draft and more than an outline. So it's kind of a 0.5 draft of the book. And the idea is that you're, you don't worry about polish. You don't even worry about the prose. Not really. It's, it's almost like a, a brainstorm on the page and you, you kind of weave into prose and weave out into more of an outline I think this could happen and maybe they say this, maybe they say that. 
da 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 da, and then back into more of a, a proper prose. And this has um, been working quite well for me. It's getting me really excited about the book again. It doesn't feel I'm not finding myself getting stuck, trapped, trying to make things perfect, which is exactly what it uh, what it's intended to do. It does strike me as weird though because I've worked on a fair few books now, and I thought I had my process pretty much nailed down. But it seems that um, every now and again you have to completely switch up your tactics and try something new. Which is what I'm trying, and it seems to be working for me so far. But this leads me to my big question for you guys, the massive, this week. If you're a writer, do you outline or pants your books? And if you didn't know pants, I just mean making it up as you go along. (laughs) So do you outline or do you write by the seat of your pants? And question two, does that ever change for different projects? like it seems to be doing for me now. Curious. We had a couple of uh, letters that came in this week, but I think I'm going to save them to do a full Ask Me Anything style episode later in the season, maybe at the end. So if you've got a question for me, what do I feed my dog? Am I naturally bold or do I just grow my hair inwards? Uh, Why don't I pair up my socks? Any burning questions like that, get in touch Go to lukecondor.com, I think it's forward slash contact. Drop me an email, lukeofcondor at me.com. Whatever. Just uh, be sure to drop an email and, and let us know. Let us know what's on your mind. Um, so today we have an interview with Dan Howarth, who I've known for a little while now. We shared a pizza at one point. Well, we didn't share a pizza. We went to a pizza shop. We ordered our own pizzas, and we didn't share them. <laughs> but we were next, ne- but we were next to each other whilst we ate pizza, and it was it was a nice chat. So Dan Howarth is a writer from the north of England. He mostly writes horror, which is fitting as he's a Mancunian born, but now finds himself living in Merseyside. He's the author of Dark Missives, a collection of short horror fiction. Dark Missives is his first full-length release as a writer and collects 11 of his short stories from various places, as well as some original stories. His stories have featured in numerous publications, both online and in print, most notably. A number of his stories have featured on the Other Stories podcast, where they have been downloaded over 100,000 times. Oh... Very cool. He's also co-edited three themed anthologies with James Everington. The Hyde Hotel in 2016 collects stories from a range of writers, including one of his own, with all stories set in the same sinister hotel. Imposter Syndrome in 2017 collects stories from a diverse set of writers on the themes of doubles and doppelgangers. And Imposter Syndrome was shortlisted for a British Fantasy Award in 2018. Ooh... (laughs) And Paradoilia, I think I pronounced that correctly, uh, from 2019, collects stories about the phenomenon of seeing faces in other objects. When he's not writing, Dan enjoys craft beer, German football, and barbecue food. Oh. Well, uh, so we've talked about this and we're recording now. We've talked about this in private before, uh, recording, I think maybe just in Discord chats. Uh, but you mentioned mm, a little while ago there was a turning point in your writing where you suddenly got very serious about it, and now you write every day. You write two books a year, I think. 
you're shopping for an agent. Yep. Um, you're wearing suits and blazers to when you're at the writing desk, and you're clocking in. <laughs> I mean, my first question is why? Why now? Why? Why so professional? Uh, that's a very good question. Professional is probably um, a matter of perspective, I would say. But one of the, I think, one of the drivers for it was. Like all through my life, like a lot of us, you know, we've wanted, I've wanted to write and it always seems like when you're younger or whatever, you just have like all the time in the world to just do what you want to do, pursue your projects and all that kind of stuff. And for me, it always kind of felt like the more time I had, the more time I had to waste in some respects. So I kind of spend a lot of time on the writing ritual, you know, back, back in the day, I'd, I'd make sure the tea was at the perfect temperature and you know, the right font was selected and all this kind of nonsense and stuff that doesn't really matter. And I'd, I'd probably spend more time thinking about writing than I actually did ever produce okay. anything. Yeah. And then like 2016 summer, uh, my daughter was born and it was just like, I was downstairs one night and I was just thinking, like I was waiting for the bottle to heat up and I was just like, oh shit, like I don't have all that time anymore. Like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be able to get any writing done. And in some respects, like having that time kind of condensed um, has just really made it easier to be more productive. So it kind of started with my lunchtime ritual where it was, you know, it's, it's easy when you're at work to just sit there for your hour and, you know, muck about on, you know, the Guardian website or whatever it is where you eat your sandwich. So I was like, right, I'm going to, this one, I'm going to start doing my writing during my lunch hour. So I started off and probably I'd get like a hundred words done in the hour like just tapping away at this this little tablet with a tiny little keyboard that I had. Um, and over time, you just kind of train yourself to be able to to do it a bit better. So you turn off your internal editor and just bang, you know, you, you get in that routine of sitting there, you know, I'm sat in this office, I'm wearing, I'm wearing my work, work clothes, my, my, my shirt and tie and all that kind of <laughs> get up, which I wouldn't recommend as the most comfortable writing wear. Um, yeah. But, you know, you, you do feel like a, a pure cold-hearted businessman, which in some respects uh, is good for productivity. And, uh, Did you ever find, um, I used to write at lunch as well. Um, and I used to, all my friends in the different teams would be sat around a table chatting and I'd just walk past them to the loan, <laughs> to like the, the table on my own and sit down and get the laptop out and start writing. And there was always a part of me that was like, what do they think I'm up to? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, like, I learned, I learned pretty early, like, you've you've got to take yourself somewhere else. If you're trying to do it in the canteen, there's always somebody who, A, wants to be sociable, which is fine, you know, I can tolerate that, I, I get it. Or B, the worst type of person who knows you're on your lunch and still comes to ask you something about work. Like, oh, the worst. those people will burn in hell, I am sure of it. So you've got to get yourself away from those kind of time bandits. So I would, what I was doing was booking like a meeting room because nobody used them at lunchtime. So I was booking a meeting room and just going and sitting in there. Like, and people look at you like you're a psychopath because a lot of them are kind of <laughs> glass fronted. So you, they yeah. know that you're sat there on your own and they're either thinking this guy well, is either planning a murder or plotting <laughs> plotting a promotion. Like, and both of them aren't a particularly good well, look, are they? Maybe if you, you accidentally left like the screen sharing thing on the, big screen at the back of the <laughs> back of the meeting room <laughs> just write and stab in big letters <laughs> yeah but yeah um, um 
the, the best place that I used to, well, in fact, that kind of happened at the current job that I'm at now, but I've been fortunate enough to work over the road from two libraries. So I can go over there and you can kind of distance yourself from your work stuff and be surrounded by books, which I am 95% sure makes you more productive. If you're trying to write while there's a book in the room, it will, it will make you write more. I'm sure of it. That is science. Yeah. And so two books a year, that's the kind of pace that you're currently on. Is that yeah, right? pretty much. So I'm just well, hoping to, by the end of November, have wrapped up the second one for this year. Um, and that includes having launched a short story collection of which a couple of those were originals as well. Yeah. I'm curious. I mean, so do you have like, do you have like a daily word count? Do you set like quarterly goals? Do you have a whiteboard with what you need to do on there? I do have a a whiteboard. Uh, I'm looking at it now and I think we discussed this on the other story. So this is just the crib sheet that I stole from Chuck Polinick's book I'm writing. Um, and that's yeah. all just written in capital letters. So that's not a writing goal. But the the goals have like gone over time, really. So now if there hasn't been like a working day in which I've been writing when I haven't written a thousand words for like probably four years, I would say. Uh, I did keep a spreadsheet at one point, but that just felt a bit too mathematical. Um, you've, like, bur- you've burnt in the, the routine now. Yeah, I mean, it's never going to stop. Yeah, it it evolved over time. Like I say, it was 100 words. And then I'd set that as my target because that felt like a lot at at first. And then I remember the first day I did like 500. And I was like, right, I'm going to do this every day now. And then it was the same with 1,000. I mean, to be honest, I have days when I'll get closer to 2,000. But 1,000 is the absolute minimum. Once you get to 1,000, that's it. I can feel like I can relax then. And when and when you sit down to do your words for the day, do you go over the previous words from yesterday or do you just go straight on to the next sentence? Yeah, I mean, I think this is part of the mindset is like, I don't know, always try and keep like the story in your head as best that I can. You know, the part of going over to the library was a good thing because I'd kind of be walking over that road and know i'm not thinking about the traffic i'm just thinking about all right okay this is what i've got to write today and that's kind of you know if you get that in your head yeah it uh you know makes sitting down a lot easier to you know to just kind of click straight into gear because if you've only got an hour you know you you can't wait waste 10 15 minutes of that sitting around reading what you've written so you've kind of got to be able to read over perhaps that last one or two sentences and then just click straight into gear and and go from there uh yeah i mean i mean okay so this is all this is all fine and dandy aren't like on a good day the sun's out you've had a great cracking cup of tea everything's going well but what about like i have to be honest this past week i found it quite difficult to be quite productive um i've been on a sort of a downtrend um what do you do during those weeks where you just feel like we ran out of milk the sun isn't out your zip's undone what do you, when things aren't going right, how do you, I don't know, get yourself, click yourself over into the correct mindset? I think it's because I've been doing it. It's just become a routine for so long. It's something that you don't even think about. It's like when you go running, for example, you kind of shut your brain down to like the most core part of you. Yeah. You need to get your arms and legs moving and get you around that distance like that that's pretty much the mindset that you get in. It's right. 
you know, we're going to go from naught to a thousand here. And these are the things that we need to do. Um, you know, it, it is like anything. It's, you know, playing the guitar, it's going for a run, it's it's practice, it's training. You know, it's nobody run goes out and just runs 10 miles. Nobody sits yeah. down and just writes a thousand words out of nowhere. You know, you have to have to keep training yourself. You have to keep it in that routine. You know, Monday, Monday through Friday, you know, every day I don't do it at the weekends, it has to be said. Um Okay. Yeah. But yeah, Monday might, through Friday, every day, minimum thousand words. It's just you know, it is just routine now. It has literally been, you know, five years yeah. pretty much. So you've kind of um protected yourself against uh those down weeks um by just building this like incredibly solid in a what do they call it the inner citadel i mean it's like a stoic uh philosophy like you you build the inner walls and like the outside world just can't can't break through that's that's awesome and i'm very very jealous what was the um what was the polonic books you mentioned there sorry uh consider this it's called his writing book so there's like 10 bullet points i think that i've written down to just summarize the whole book and then i just look up at those and think ah chuck's shouting at me again i better make sure i get these words written yeah yeah man uh and so um and you're shopping for an agent at the minute you're getting your work out to the traditional marketplace what but i mean you're doing a bit of both actually um you've got the northern republic thing going on and you've all and you're also trying to get your work out into the traditional markets. Why uh, why go that route and why not go full indie? I think it's quite, I have quite a limited skill set in some respects. Like, you know, part of what holds me back is artwork really when it comes to producing my own, own books. Like, you know, perhaps I should sit down and try and train myself to learn to draw or something. But yeah, the, I, I can't do covers to be honest, which is part of the problem. So some of that is funding, really, finding good artists, you know, yeah. people deserve, who, you know, kind of produce that top quality art. You know, they they deserve to be paid. You can't expect to get that kind of stuff for free. So, you know, the, there's costs that come with bringing books out yourself. Um, and to be yeah. honest, I'd like to try and, you know, break into to markets. You know, I'm sure like a lot of us, the dream is to one day walk into a bookshop and see a book that you've written on the shelf. You know, that's that's the ultimate goal to to kind of have that or have a family member kind of take a picture of themselves with your book in a proper shop, you know, all those kind of things. And yeah. I think for the most part, unless you're extremely lucky or dedicate more time to it than I have, you know, to, to do that yourself, to make it happen yourself is is quite an ask. Yeah. And um in the in the process of um uh break well, the thing is, getting an agent, I mean, they always say that's incredibly hard and, and maybe more so now with the traditional market, not narrowing, but there's, I, I feel like maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but um, the big five is now the big three. Is that correct? Like the the big houses are buying each other up so there might be less spots for traditionally published books. And I have no idea. Is, does that sound about right? Yeah, I think they're all eating each other, aren't they? Um, and becoming one massive corporate publishing conglomerate. I'm not really sure, but uh, but yeah, that's the the nut you're trying to crack. I think they all have different imprints and all that kind of stuff, don't they? Yeah, and the interesting thing I think is like nowadays 
most people do independently publish, which is completely fine. Um, I wonder if, because everyone's doing that, like there's more room at the top, potentially. I mean, I'm sure it's still incredibly difficult to break in, but maybe there's a little more uh, space to, uh, to to fit yourself into, a little bit of a bigger hole to crawl into. Yeah, you'd hope so. And I mean, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, I'll still continue to bring my own books out. The reason, you know, as I've said, that I can't bring them all out myself is is largely financial. And, and as yeah. you know as well yourself, you know, the time that it takes to to market and properly promote your own work is is significant. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and that, and that can take away from the writing, which ultimately is the one thing that we want to all have the time to do, isn't it? So, you know, even if I was lucky enough to get an agent and a proper public, you know, a, a proper publishing contract, that's so condescending, isn't it? You know, <laughs> a, a, a traditional publishing contract. I'd, yeah. I'd still like to bring out, you know, novellas or short stories or whatever it may be myself as well on the side, because, you know, novellas regardless and are a big market for independent publishers, but no traditional publisher is really yeah. bringing them out. What did you, uh, what was that book? Um, uh, Eric LaRocca's book that like went viral. Oh, uh, things uh, have like got a, worse since we last spoke. That one. Yeah. That one. Um, uh, I mean, I think it, I mean, I think the cover did a lot to help it sort of push it to that viral status, but it's done amazingly well. I mean, the metrics I go by are like how many good read reviews a book has got. And most of the times I'll be impressed like with like more than 20. Like, yeah. oh, bloody hell. This one's got like, I think it's like 5,000. It's only been out for like uh, a month or two. I'm sure I read something. Well. He's sold like 10,000 copies of that. Yeah, and that was a little while back, right? Yeah. I seem to remember Sam Richard, the publisher, saying that. Yeah, and like uh, the book just seems to be popping up everywhere. I think they've got to the point where they've, they've broken through into a much bigger space where bookshops are now ordering it in. Um, and that was not independent, small press. But um, yeah, it's, uh, you never you never know these horror novellas. Get the right cover, make it as uh, w- what we talked about a while back, right to be remembered. I think this story might be particularly disturbing. So people have been recommending it. It's amazing. It's amazing how far you can go with it. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, horror in particular works so well in that novella form because, you know, so often you read a a great horror novel that kind of falls flat towards the end. You know, if you can condense that story down to 30,000, 40,000 words, that's that's a real sweet spot for me. I think horror, it works really well. Yeah. And uh, so Northern Republic. Um, so a couple of questions here. Sure. Why why that name? Yep. And and what that reason? Uh, Northern Republic is not just a company name. It's a political philosophy as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, I it's, thought as much. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, oh, this is going to be a tricky one to uh, <laughs> tough, tough sell to anybody south of Birmingham. But uh, yeah, I just think that. You know, up here we're uh, particularly in publishing terms as well. We're uh, we're a bit forgotten about. We're a bit neglected, not, and not just uh, publishing, like any kind of uh, media industry jobs. Yeah, I'd... well, we've got the BBC now, haven't we? I guess, and uh, you know, so that so that's something. But uh, but by and large, you know, we're we're overlooked by the south, and uh, I think in fairness, we've we've got a lot going for us up here, and I think we've 
we've got a bit of fury, which uh, I think manifests itself well in a lot of people's art from this part of the world. Yeah, so Northern Republic, when, uh, when you named your imprint that, it's almost like a two-word manifesto. No, that doesn't sound right. That sounds too <laughs> too political. I don't know, it, it's almost like um, there's, there's, there's meaning in there that's uh, more than just the name, if that makes sense, of yeah, a call to action or something. Exactly, it's a bit of a statement. You know, you've got the, the kind of clenched fist of defiance, which, you know... So are you planning on uh, taking over London? <laughs> uh, if, <Are> you... <laughs> if I can call the banners and they'll march south with me, then yeah, by all means, let's let's get it started. Cool, man. Um, so uh, so uh, selfish question, uh, how is your back doing? You went to see a physio today, is that right? Yeah, I feel like I'm 21 again now after that. Right. Yeah, right. for about two days until it reverts to the uh, to the husk that I used. <laughs> Your to back be. reverts, Jesus! Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can I can feel it closing in, like hunching over. It's not good. Do you do like any yoga or anything like that? I mean, I've talked about talked about this on the podcast before. I've got my back is I don't know what happened. Like early this year, something twisted the wrong way, and now it's just it's I don't know. It's just it's never going to be right again. I don't think. Um, I think that's so, the fear, isn't it, with with your back because you use it so much and it's so like integral to every kind of movement that you do. It's like once you hurt it, you're just like, oh, Jesus, will this ever clear? So uh, yeah. yeah, I've gone to gone to try and uh, get it blasted today. God, I'm gonna. I've got an appointment booked um, in a week or so with physio, so we'll see. Did they do like? Oh, did they put the thing around your neck and pop your? It looks like they're trying to take your head off, but it's like meant to kind of stretch out your spine or something sounds like you're gone some sort of medieval <laughs> torture chamber <laughs> no, um, it, they're no, gonna it's... give me the william wallace yeah <laughs> put you in the iron maiden um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> no they, no i just had a quite a, a vigorous um attack the guy was like had his elbow <laughs> under your shoulder blade and all this kind of stuff it's oh god yeah it's not it's not a huge amount of fun but it has made a big difference Cool. All right, man. Let's uh, let's move on to the big hard one. Oh, to the slightly difficult question. It might not be slightly difficult. It might be extremely difficult. I'm not too sure yet. Um, but you're in uh, your allotment, which I haven't mentioned yet. You you have an allotment, right? I haven't made that up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're in your allotment, and you reach in to pluck out a garlic clove or a cabbage or or something, but it's actually the you from the future. And the youth from the future wipes the mud from his face and eyes and bum and says he's here to give you a single piece of advice that you, the you of today need to hear more than anything. What does he say to you? Don't you dare give up is probably what he'd say because this is the thing that you were saying before about how do you do it every day. Well, you switch off that little bit of, you know, oh, I'm tired, oh, I've got a cold or whatever. And some days it is easier to just put your trackies on instead of your jeans and uh, and not do as many words as you should. So, yeah, don't you dare give up, I think he's going to say. And he'd probably give me a slap around the face as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I mean, you're not only a, a writer, but you're also a gardener. Uh, how has the writing helped the... Not gardening. Is that the right word? I don't know. Um, how has the writing helped the allotment thing and uh, vice versa? Is there any oh, crossover lessons? 
to be to be honest, like we we got access to it like literally the week before lockdown in 2020, and just oh, having okay. that, that space where you could go that was outdoor, that you know you've got a project, you've got things you can do that aren't work or you know jobs around the house or whatever. It's honestly amazing for your mental health to just go and actually kind of watch stuff grow and you know I've, I've built structures down there like I've built like a, a poly house like a wooden frame that's kind of wrapped in plastic to keep the tomatoes safe and all that kind of stuff like to just do something different do something with your hands is like using a different part of your brain almost and it just you find yourself uh, working on story beats whilst you're plucking the beats yeah it can oh, yeah you oh. believe me and that kind of poetry just spills over into my my prose on a daily basis as i'm sure you can imagine <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool man so it wasn't that hard really the big no. hard one was just um don't give up that's that's it it's like um the streaks mentality uh jerry not jerry mcguire <laughs> jerry spring spring no what's his name jerry seinfeld that's what i'm trying to say he used to write a joke a day and he, um, like, I think a joke that he was happy with a day. So he probably wrote, I don't know, 10 and had like one he was pretty chuffed with. And he said, um, he, when he did it, he like crossed off the day on the calendar and then he just had to build up a streak and he just told himself he, he could never miss a day because if he broke the streak, that was almost more, more painful than just missing a single day. Like you'd have to start all over again. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. true. It's like a Duolingo. Have you ever used that app? No. What is that? Like a dating app? No. Goodness, goodness <laughs> me. No, it's a, you learn language on it. So you can use like, you can do all sorts of languages on there, but um, you build up a streak. So I've got like a streak of getting on for like 900 days consecutively or whatever. And you, you don't get anything for it, but it's, they've kind of gamified learning a language. So you know, every day that you get it, you get this, you know, the flame lights up and all that kind of stuff when you complete your exercise and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it keep, keeps you engaged, keeps you wanting to do it. And I guess in some ways, like keeping the spreadsheet at one point was like that. Um, you know, it's like, yeah. got to fill it in, got to type it, got to make that box go green or whatever on the spreadsheet. And, you know, if you can gamify it or kind of give yourself an incentive like that, it's, it does make a big difference. Yeah. Okay, I think I have a big a big takeaway from this uh, experience that is this episode. I'm gonna have to get back and I'm gonna have to build up that streak again. It's gonna have to do a Dan Howard. The yeah. thing is, I wish I had some more advice to you than other than just being like so bloody minded. Like, I know, but like uh, when you, it, it's like it, it's so important, though, isn't it? That that particular piece of advice, and it's easy to think, ah, it's just. That's just wishy-washy, but it's not. It's like, it is solid for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, like, it is, it is a hard-earned skill because all yeah. through school or whatever, people would, you know, teachers would be like, you got to do this, you got to do that. I did absolutely no work at all through, <laughs> through school, through college, through university. I just absolutely coasted. Like, this is the first thing writing that I've, you know, in the last few years, I've actually really worked hard to develop a skill at you know to consistently practice to build up some backbone and some resilience and just to overcome that resistance that we all face to sitting down at the keyboard like you know i'm i'm proud of doing that but 
unfortunately there is there is no trick to it you just have to get yourself to the keyboard every day and just tell yourself right it's gonna get done and force yourself to do it and some days it is difficult and some days you know because i'm writing quickly the words are words are crap but when they're done you can fix them you can't fix nothing as people always say you know you can't fix a blank page so you just got to get yourself there and some days you'll finish on 1400 words and go oh my god that was awesome and some days you'll get to a thousand and one and go oh thank christ that's over but you just you know go and have a cup of tea have your sleep wake up the next morning rinse and repeat you know it all starts over again yeah lovely stuff all right man well we've got um oh watch out it's the quick fire round oh we've got five quick questions for you very short just need a short little bit a uh, little bitty answer if that's cool. all right yeah number one how much wood could a dan Howe have cut if you had a consistent daily wood count 17 planks an hour Number two, when you park your car, do you go in backwards, forwards, or do you just roll it into the spot? Ace Ventura style. Roll it into the spot. Yeah, into the space every time. Number three, who does number two work for? Number one. Favourite Jim Carrey noise? Oh, oh, now you're asking. Jesus Christ. Uh, I've got a child asleep downstairs, so I don't dare shout. Classic. Uh, last one uh, where can we follow you and your work uh, you can find me on the cesspool is twitter uh, at danhoweth2020 um, or you can find me at my website www.danhowethwriter.com and also at time of speaking if you sign up to my mailing list you'll still be able to access two of the three offers that are incoming on my books as we near the end of the year Stuff. thanks man this has been great um and i mean we talk fairly regularly anyway speaking of which you should have a book arriving uh, either tomorrow or wednesday i think it might be wednesday can't wait been looking forward to that and um yeah this has been a a writer's dream for me to make it on this podcast so that's one to tick off on the uh, mount everest of writing tick that off appeared on this podcast was it well done Nice one. (laughs) Okay, thanks for listening. That's all from me and from Dan. Remember to drop me a question for the upcoming Q&A episode. Be sure to head over to lukecondor.com. That's Condor with a K. Uh, To see all of my books and my games and podcasts and that. Uh, But mostly just, you know, have a great day. Enjoy your time. Maybe read a nice book. Have a nice cup of tea. Until next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.